And now we are going to um, go to our next presentation. I would kindly ask Matthew Thomas from uh, Blank Rome to take us through a very timely and interesting topic, Trump tariffs and trade policy impact on shipping. By the way, I'd like to mention that upstairs uh, on, uh, in the library on the second floor, the port uh, of New York and New Jersey is making its own presentation on New York and uh, global trade. So those of you who would like to go, it's upstairs on the second floor, and uh, Matthew, the floor is yours. Fantastic. Thanks very much for that very kind introduction. Um, my name is Matt Thomas. I'm from Blank Rome. I'm uh, up from Washington today. A lot of you have worked with my, my colleagues in dis uh, disputes and chip finance here in New York, but down in Washington, our maritime team looks a little, a little different. We have a team of regulatory lawyers, uh, lobbyists, and, and ship finance folks. And we're really in the business of trying to identify and analyze and manage some of these significant sort of political and regulatory risks that we've, um, uh, that we've been hearing about today. I mean, Martin talked about the, the effect and the duration of the, of the tariffs and the trade war. And Rasmus from Trafigura talked about the impact and uncertainty of, of the Iran sanctions and how things are going to, going to play out with, with Iran crude. Um, and these are, these are the kinds of things that we're trying to get, a, get after in Washington to, to help the, the shipping community understand some of, uh, some of these, these issues and, and hopefully try and manage them. Starting off with, with the tariffs, because that's really been a big focus of ours this, uh, this year. Um, uh, tariffs went into effect, uh, the, the steel and aluminum tariffs uh, went into effect uh, in March. Uh, with the 25% tariff on steel and 10% on aluminum imports. Um, there were temporary exemptions for our largest uh, metals trading partners, Canada, Mexico, and the European Union, but those expired on, on June 1st. There are permanent exemptions added for Brazil and South Korea, and both steel and aluminum from, uh, for uh, um, Argentina and Australia. Um, all these exemptions except for Australia came with strict quota requirements. Now, you've probably heard in the, in the news in the recent days, the, the successor to NAFTA, the USMCA, has, has been agreed to. This, the steel import issue hasn't been resolved, however, in the context of those talks. Talks are continuing and, and ongoing, and the signs suggest that the, the tariffs eventually will be replaced with a quota system uh, with, uh, with Canada, sort of normalizing this, uh, this kind of Section 232 fight over, over metals and, and national security. But that really still, uh, still remains to be, to be uh, worked out on the Canadian side. Our biggest, some of our biggest concerns, maybe this is just a profoundly Washington th thing, but uh, some of our biggest concerns have been procedural. And, and procedural things go to predictability and, and certainty, the things that impact the market. So, so Commerce established a, a waiver process by which companies can ask for waivers uh, from these tariffs uh, based on economic harm and hardship. And really the key driver to that is whether the metals products are available in the United States or from US suppliers or not. Now, uh, they, were they were swamped, receiving um, over 38,000 exclusion requests and 17,000 objections to those, those requests. 
only a small fraction of those have been processed uh, thus far. So you have just from, from regulatory lag this, this uncertainty how projects, including major infrastructure projects, are, are going to be treated under these, under these tariffs. Um, and it has, it has knock-on effects. I mean, this will have direct effects on shipping-linked industries. I mean, the most obvious is increasing the cost of, uh, of U.S. new builds in, uh, in, in our shipyards. Uh, but the, uh, the sort of ripple-in-the-pond effects are, are just as, as significant. We, um, in, in a recent survey by, by the Dallas Fed talking to oil and gas executives, over two-thirds of those executives say the steel and aluminum tariffs are having, a, having an impact right now on their business, and pointed especially to the impact on oil and gas exploration and, and production, uh, and also to pipeline, to pipeline infrastructure. And, and there's been, there was some discussion there about the tariffs having a sort of a lag, a delay effect on the ability to add new shale production and the ability to add new pipeline capacity out of the Permian and other places to get those, um, uh, to get those cargos to the uh, to export markets. Um, so you, um, uh, you will have this, these basically sort of knock-on effects that will impact shipping and will impact uh, crude, crude export markets but aren't, aren't directly linked to the, uh, uh, to the tariffs. The other big part of the tariff picture are the China tariffs. Um, under, under Section 301, which goes to unfair trade practices, uh, the White House first imposed a, a tranche of 25% tariffs on $34 billion worth of Chinese imports in July. Then a second tranche of, on $16 billion of goods in August. And then the, the great big one, third tranche of tariffs covering $200 billion in goods, uh, was finalized in, in September. Those started at a 10% level, but are looked, oh, we're looking at those to step up in January to that 25% level of, of the other ones. The president also recently threatened further tariffs on the remaining 267 billion of Chinese goods imported into the U.S. Um, here again, the, the sort of procedural, the waiver issues come into play. Importers in uh, who are subject to phase phase one and phase oh that should say phase two sorry uh, phase two can file exclusion requests saying we're being harmed by this, but for now. People in the White House are telling folks on the Hill there's not going to be an exclusion request at all for the big phase three tariffs. And what we're seeing in our office is American companies and American workers being harmed in, uh, across the board in, in various industries. Because these really are, are taxes on U.S. industrial inputs or taxes on retail goods coming, coming in from China across a broad range of uh, of sectors, so they're they're really for a lot of these is not an escape hatch for U.S. companies to um, uh, to, to seek uh, seek relief. Some of the some of the impacts here, um, broad range of products Im impacted, um, especially machinery, apparel, furniture, vehicles, toys. Um, we we've seen over 10,000 filings from impacted companies and persons uh, in USTR dockets, looking for for companies or products to be to be excluded. Um, 
in one little bit of good news for the maritime sector, uh, port cranes were at the last minute taken off the list. So those tariffs were, were imperiling some major infrastructure improvement projects in Virginia and elsewhere. Um, but still cargo handling equipment and other port infrastructure items remain, remain on the list. The, the indirect impacts of these China tariffs are, are equally interesting though. Um, it's having a significant impact on offshore energy, both offshore oil and gas exploration and production and on wind, uh, wind projects, on, on renewables. Um, but the bulk of the impact of the tariffs really is on the, on the liner sector. And um, we, we seem to have seen a little bit of a boost in the liner trades during the peak season, um, uh, pre-September, as companies were hustling to get containerized goods into the US. Now that we're past October 1st, now that we're in the sort of post-peak season period, naturally you'll see a fall off. But analysts like Alpha Liner are suggesting the fall off and the blank shippings in the liner sector will be far more significant this year, suggesting we may see as much as 750,000 TEU of idled capacity in the, uh, in the month ahead. China's retaliation, however, has been, had, as we heard from Martin, a big impact on the, on the dry bulk sector, with most of their retaliation focused on agricultural commodities, chemicals, also, also LNG. Um, and the, probably the biggest uh, startling impact of this has been the rapid, um, uh, rapid devaluation of the Chinese currency, which has fallen almost 10% since its level six, six months ago. This has had the effect of offsetting some of the bite of the US sanctions as cost of Chinese goods have, um, have fallen, but obviously it further adversely impacts uh, US exports, which already are subject to retaliation. Um, and even though energy, well, even though oil exports are not subject to the tariffs or to any retaliation, we have seen a, a startling and precipitous drop-off of China, Chinese imports of, of U.S. crude. A year ago, um, and really from when U.S. crude exports began, uh, Canada and China were leading markets for, for U.S. crude. In the last month, we've seen those numbers drop almost, uh, almost to zero. And this is really uh, a matter of the currency shift, risk management, uncertainty over further, further retaliation, uh, so that, um, that trades of US crude into China have, have really uh, fallen straight off. The, the outlook for a quick resolution, we think, is not, is not great. There's, I think, a perception in the administration that China's not, not on the ropes, but China is definitely feeling the pinch. Uh, China's government is, uh, and China's economy is struggling with the tariffs, but also more systematic uh, issues having, having to do with leverage and lending. Uh, China's um, eased its uh, bank reserves in the last few days, trying to uh, create a little bit of stimulus and boost, boost lending for investment. But there is a perception, I think, in the administration that they're taking a go-slow effort on re-engaging with China on trade talks. And there'll probably be a little bit more pain, both on the Chinese side and for impacted U.S. companies for the foreseeable future. So, Turning quickly then, oh yeah, 
Um, turning quickly to the uh, reimposition of, uh, of Iran sanctions, as uh, Rasmus Nielsen from Traffic Euro said, the, the Iran situation is a big cloud of uncertainty that hangs over, uh, hangs over the market. Will, um, will barrels continue to be lifted out of, out of Iran? Certainly we saw strategies last time to continue to move barrels from, from Iran, particularly to Asia. Um, and, and it's likely that some of these strategies will be put in place again. Obviously, uh, companies are very concerned about secondary sanctions, uh, the ability of the US to take retaliatory action against companies in shipping or trading uh, that are non-US companies that do business in Iran. But as, as, uh, as players in the market look at ways to sort of firewall off their operations from potential U.S. Op uh, operations, and as China looks at the Iran situation strategically in connection with the U.S. tariffs and everything that's going on with their U.S. crude exports, we may see more barrels start to be lifted out of, out of Iran. But something that uh, we'll continue to look at very closely what the market's doing and how Washington's expected to, to respond. The, for, for us in sort of our day-to-day -day sanctions practice, really with Iran, the biggest, uh, the biggest sort of sticking point or the biggest uh, thing folks are tripping over is with any Iran-related trade, it needs to really be walled off from US dollar transactions and, and US banks. And so that means payment of freight, but also uh, charter hire and, and brokerage and bunkers. Anything having to do with, uh, with Iran uh, really needs to stay out of US banks. Um, just in the last few weeks, we saw $5 million in penalties against JP Morgan Chase for processing airline payments related to sanctions targets. As some of you have, have I'm sure, seen, banks are hypersensitized uh, when it comes to Iran linkages for any payments in transactional banking. And this JP Morgan thing is just going to sort of add fuel to that, that compliance and screening uh, um, problem. And, and this is really the biggest sanctions risk out there. The biggest sanctions risk isn't being hit by, by charges from OFAC or DOJ. The biggest sanctions risk for companies in the shipping sector is getting blacklisted from major US banks so you can't timely process uh, payments. Just quick, quickly, other, uh, other key sanctions issues that really have been hot this, this year have been the escalation of Russia sanctions, the, the oligarch sanctions that impacted some major commodity companies like metals trader uh, and producer Rusal, um, and, and the ongoing uh, sanctions on Russia's uh, um, offshore energy and, and deep water uh, drilling. Um, and the, the sanction situation with Venezuela also created a lot of uncertainty, including their introduction of this petro cryptocurrency and their efforts to try to force the maritime industry into, into using that. Just the, the two other kind of uh, hot topics international trade-wise that we've, that we've seen um, this year have been the modernization of CFIUS. That's the national security-based restrictions on inbound investment into the US. Um, we certainly have seen CFIUS bite in the context of foreign investment in US ports, and we expect really the restrictions on foreign investment in US maritime industries or facilities to, to continue. Uh, 
And I talked already a little bit about the upgrade to NAFTA. Not big impacts for, uh, for shipping, but really that could be a template for, um, for how to proceed on resolving the uh, trade war with China. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm out of time, but delighted to talk to anybody if you have any questions. Thanks very much.